and welcome to First Baptist Church, Sun City West. What a great, a great choir we have. Thank you all very much. Such inspiration to start our time of worship and celebration. This is the very first time that you've ever been here. We'd love for you to take the guest card that's in the pew in front of you and fill it out in its entirety. And when you get ready to leave at the end of the service, just drop it in one of the four offering boxes that we have uh, as you exit. We would certainly appreciate that so we could acknowledge your being with us. Uh, or if you want to fill out a second one, that would be great as well. <laughs> Only because we care about you. We want to be able to contact you and we want to be able to be available to minister and to encourage you any way that we possibly can. And so if we can help in that way, you also have the ability to call our church office or email us and let us know what kinds of things we might be able to help with. <laughs> 
I'd like to ask you, if you would, to pay attention to the screens, watch the video, and then we're going to spend some time together in prayer. Would you agree that our nation is most certainly in need of prayer? Would you agree? Would you agree that we're part of this great nation and so that falls upon our shoulders to do all that we can to ask God to intervene? There's a lot of brokenness, there's a lot of division, but God is the one who brings us all together. His desire should be the desire of our hearts. February 3rd, 1970, there was a normal chapel service at Asbury College. And in the midst of that normal chapel service at that Christian university, God's presence became known. And it became what has been classified as the Asbury Revival. It lasted day and night for weeks and weeks and weeks. It had an impact not only to that college, but the community and our nation in many different ways. That's the kinds of things that we ask God for, to make His presence known, rather than just a normal and routine process, but asking God to give us wisdom. To come to a place of confession, and repentance as the people of God. February 8th, 2023, Asbury University, a normal chapel service where the preacher preached simply on repentance and confession and began by one student and then others. And all of a sudden, 53 years later, 
we find from this past Wednesday to this very morning a movement of God in that place where day and night, once again, God is moving powerfully. From several hundred students in that, uh, in that center to over 1,500 filled the place up in the evening times. People from the community, people driving hours to come. People that I know and respect even flying in to, to, to try to discern, is this some kind of emotional thing or what's going on? And, and what they are reporting is the presence of God in such a powerful way. Isn't that what we seek? It seems to happen more times with young people because sometimes as we become seasoned Christians, we have been on track this way for so long that maybe we aren't listening as closely as we should to God. And God may be working over here when we've always been this direction. Maybe He desires us to move and be where He is working right now. I don't know what's going to happen in the future at Asbury and other Christian colleges that this is already beginning to move to the communities around that area but I know this that that's what God desires for us when we come together in a worship service a normal worship service what we should do is anticipate and expect the movement of God one of the reasons that we emphasize and try to get as many of our folks to sign up for the watchman prayer ministry that will relaunch this coming Sunday on the 19th is to take an hour of 168 hours through the course of a year. And every week you pray at that hour, praying for revival and spiritual awakening in the presence of God. We know that everybody here prays, but to take a concentrated time of asking God to move in our nation and in our lives to bring His desire and will back to the forefront and I'm going to ask you to join me if you would in these few moments of silent prayer throughout this worship center corporately as we pray and I'll conclude that prayer but I I would hope that you would pray earnestly for what's going on at Ashbury University right now and other universities and that we might experience the presence of God ourselves in these days would you bow with me? Would you pray and cry out to God in that way? Dear God, as we come together as a congregation, we sense the power of your presence. The music, the words inspire us. It brings us to your throne of grace. Father, we know that our nation 
is broken right now. It's divided. A nation that welcomed people for religious freedom. And those early settlers saying these are the stepping stones to, to propagate the gospel in this new land. Father, we have not been faithful as we should to communicate the gospel. And we see that very clearly and how many are turning away not only from the church but just don't want to hear. But God, you are the Almighty One. You are the creator of the universe. There is nothing that goes on without your notice. And God, we, we ask that you would continue to divinely intervene in what's going on in Asbury University. It's other colleges, congregations, that region that is experiencing unprecedented revival right now. And God, we would ask and anticipate and look forward to your presence in our place as well. We don't know what that would look like exactly. It will be different than any other place. But God, what our yearning and what our desire and what our heartfelt concern is, is that you would use us, that you would speak to us, that where there are areas in our life that we need to turn from, the recesses of our minds and our hearts and our souls, that God, we would lay them before you and let you cleanse us. So that we're not just a religious people and not just following rules and guidelines, but that, God, we are following the power of your Spirit who lives inside of us. And so, God, I pray that in this service and in the services ahead, that our people would pray first for repentance, confession, repentance, and then, God, to use us completely and magnify Christ in our lives. Well, Father, these, these are our prayers throughout the congregation here. We pray you'll hear those prayers. And we pray that you will speak to us today and in the weeks ahead and that we would listen. And where there are adjustments in our lives, I pray, Father, that we would move to where you're working and say, God, here am I. Use me. For I want to see a great revival in our church, a spiritual awakening in our community and in our nation and around this world. And so we pray for the freshness of the power of your spirit. So help us to be sensitive, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <coughs> that beloved hymn of the faith, How Great Thou Art. Would you stand as we sing?
please pray with me? Our dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that we can come together to be in your Lord's house. We just pray and thank you for the, for the fellow Christians that are here that we can worship with. We just pray for those that are sick or those that have lost a loved one. We just pray that you would be with them and comfort them. We thank you for the beautiful music and the, the songs that have been sung and played today. We just pray that you will be with Pastor as he um, gives us his message. In Jesus' name, amen.
Our scripture for today is from the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Please follow along either in your Bible or on the screen. Verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word, and give us understanding hearts as we think on them, for these are the words of the Lord.
As we have been on this journey through the book of Philippians, we've talked about the joy for the journey, we've talked about love for the journey, we've talked about the call for the journey. Last week we addressed fulfilling the call of the journey. This morning, I want to highlight in Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, which Frank read just a few moments ago, about magnifying Christ on the journey. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1 that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body. King James Version says, magnified in my body. Some 400 years ago, Galileo invented the telescope. And it enlarged the universe so much that you could really see that the sun was the center of our solar system. But the Roman Catholic Church said that the earth was the center. The church based its claim on a biblical statement that God made the sun to stand still during the battle under Joshua's leadership. So the church hierarchy said to Galileo, you will recant or we will burn you at the stake. Galileo was pragmatic and felt he had more to offer and so he recanted and he lived. He wrote all of his findings in a book and hid it. It was not published until after his death. The idea of being able to magnify something, it makes all the sense in the world. To magnify the universe, Galileo was able to see the truth. Today, we have the James Webb Space Telescope that magnifies so much of the universe we can see deep, deep in space. It's phenomenal. Paul understood the value of magnification. And therefore, he embraced the truth that Christ should be magnified in my body. So what does that mean for us? Well, I think first we have to look at what magnify means. We've talked about it to some degree. It means to enlarge. The Greek word here means to exalt, to make larger, to make great, to make conspicuous, to get glory and praise. That's, that's the very meaning of that word in the Greek New Testament. I remember when I was uh, an older teenager, my father wanted to teach me how to shoot. And so he took me out on the uh, foothills of uh, Albuquerque. We set up this long range, and he put this .30-06 in my, in my arm. And he taught me step by step how to go in and how to sight it and how, how to, uh, to make sure that as I looked at the scope that I could shoot safely and hit the target well. That scope enlarged the target so much that I could easily see it and therefore I could accomplish my task. In a spiritual sense to magnify means to make Jesus so close to people by enlarging him. In our lives helping them to see Jesus through our lives and that's why he left us here. 
Paul's desire was that the Lord Jesus Christ might be seen in this life, all of his beauty, that God himself might be conspicuous to the world, and that God only would get the glory and the praise because of how he lives through our life. Magnify also means to make the invisible visible. Before Galileo, we had vague ideas about the universe, but we couldn't see it. But through technology, many parts of the universe now that were invisible to us are visible. And they stand as an incredible a monument to some degree of God's creative power, the beauty and the majesty. I think the same is true in our lives. Take this leap with me, if you can, from the idea of enlarging to see the universe to enlarging our lives so that people see Christ in us. You see, those who do not have a faith in Jesus Christ, they, they have vague ideas about Jesus. They can't see him. He is invisible to them. And that's why Paul was trying to get across that the invisible Christ shall be made visible in my body so that people might see and they might believe. You see, we are the telescopes that enlarge Jesus to the people of this world. <coughs> My dad, when I was uh, in high school, would, would tell me about a, an old deacon that he had a, in a church of his in Lake Arthur, New Mexico. He said that old deacon, he lived so close to Jesus that he always had the feeling that when he saw that man, he was seen Jesus. That's how he lived his life. And I, I thought about that. It stuck with me, obviously. But now as I reflect back over all of these years in ministry, I find that I have found some people like that. That Jesus shined through so that they encouraged me. That when I was around them, whether it be in meetings or visitation or just our conversation or how they dealt with other people, it was like Jesus was working through them. The first one was Frank Hudgens in Las Lunas, New Mexico. The second was Jay Dotson in Roswell, New Mexico. The third was John Eckel in Seattle. Those men were so humble, so focused on serving Jesus that when you were around them, you sensed that compassion and that love and that care. You see, they, they magnified Jesus to where it impressed encouraged and inspired me that's what he wants us to do he wants us to make sure that that we magnify christ in our lives so that the people around us when they see us they see jesus so why should i magnify jesus on this journey through life well i think it is important to me and and it's important to you we live too much within ourselves normally. Persons who focus only on themselves are really never completely happy or satisfied because that's not what we were made for. We were designed for fellowship. We were designed to be together with other people. We were designed to make sure and engage with people no matter how introverted we are. That was our design. And when Jesus shines through us, we become like a blossom in the desert after a rain fresh bright beautiful that's what jesus 
wants to be in our lives. When we become our, our true selves, it's when Jesus is seen and magnified in our lives. And the people around us can say there's something different about that person. You see, the poet was right when he said, I was made for thee, and without thee, I am nothing. We are made for fellowship with God. It's important to me. It's important to me that I magnify Christ for others, but also for myself. Secondly, it's important for other people. It's definitely important to those who don't have a faith in Jesus Christ, those who are, are spiritually lost. You know, the cry of the world is, what is the meaning of life? Why am I here? Why am I in existence? If I'm just going to go through this life, make money, have a family, and die. They know about God, but that's not enough. They must have fellowship with God, and that starts with Jesus Christ asking Christ to come into their lives. We must magnify Jesus to the lost. If you remember in Acts chapter 9, Philip came alongside the Ethiopian's caravan in the desert. And he heard him reading the book of Isaiah. And Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian, who had traveled a thousand miles to Jerusalem to try to find the answer, was on his way back without the answer. And in this lonely, desolate, desert place, here is this man that says, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone explain it to me? The world needs us to explain Christ, to live out Christ. The world is needing, hearing, desiring what we have. It's also important to undeveloped believers, those that are, are uh, new believers in Christ, or believers who may have been believers for a while, but they're not that mature. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1-3, through 3, he said, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly. Mere infants in Christ, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? These believers at Corinth, they had not matured the way that Paul wanted them to mature. They had not matured to the place where Christ desired them to be. They had given their lives to Christ. They were part of the body of Christ, but they really were focused on the world, what was going on in the daily lives of the world, and not allowing Christ to be totally in charge of their lives. And I think that that probably is true for many believers in our nation and well beyond. And why do I even say that? Sounds like a judgment call. In reality, I guess it is to some degree. And the reason I can say that is because we're not making a difference in this world. The number of, uh, of uh, believers in our country continues to, percentage-wise, or the whole population, diminish. While the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S, continue to rise, that they're nothing. We obviously are not making the kind of impact. We, we're not living the kind of light 
that Christ wants us to that makes a difference in believers' lives to want to mature in their faith or those who are not believers. So we need to do that. Vance Havner, the uh, late writer and, uh, and speaker and minister, said, when the Lord's sheep become dirty gray, the world feels more comfortable. We need to be sparkling. We need to be that blossom. We need Christ to shine through us. And as mature, growing believers, we must disciple and mentor those new and undeveloped believers by magnifying Christ before them, taking our arm around them and walking with them, not in judgment, but encouraging them. Let's take this next step one by one. It happens best one by one of mentoring and encouraging and discipling one another. For men, sharpening iron like iron, we we need to make sure that we magnify Christ so that our brothers and sisters can say, man, I, I want to tag along with you so I can understand more and more about Christ. Not you, but Christ and how he lives in your life. Third, we find that it's important to God as well. The nature of God is such that he desires fellowship with people. You see, he doesn't have to have people. But he desires fellowship and companionship with us. And therefore, that's why he created us to begin with. He, he wanted to have fellowship with you. He wanted to be the presence in your life and you to be the, the fellowship with him, to communicate. That was broken when we sinned. But through Christ, it has been reestablished for those who have given their life to Christ. And through that, we have that ability to fellowship one-on-one -on -one with God. We call it the priesthood of the believer. We don't have to go through anybody else to get to God. We can speak directly to Him. We share our concerns and our, our thoughts, our misgivings, our doubt. We can share everything with us. He already knows it. He knows everything in the recesses of our mind and our heart. But he wants us to communicate so that there is an ongoing dialogue. You see, we're important to God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He loved us so much that he gave of the most precious so that we could have fellowship with him. So we've talked about what magnification is. We've answered the question of why in a brief way. So the third thing is how. If, I, if I'm supposed to magnify Christ, how can I magnify Jesus Christ on this journey well Paul said to live is Christ and he also said whether by life or death so he says if I'm gonna live whether life or death I, I need to make sure the focus is Christ that he lives through me so he tells us we're supposed to magnify Christ through life he said for to me to live is Christ it means the art of living. It, it has this idea of continuous living. If I'm going to 
continue to live, not just in the moment, not just in this time where, where things are going well, but my continuous life through the good circumstances or the bad circumstances. And again, I want to remind you, Paul was in prison in Rome when he was writing this. Dire circumstances, obviously. He said, listen, it doesn't matter. I want to make sure that I magnify Christ. And so for me to live, whether I'm in chains or whether I'm on a missionary journey or my daily life, it is Christ who needs to live in me. Paul said in Colossians 3, 4, Christ, who is your life? For that to happen, I've got to die to myself. If Christ is going to be my life, then I need to move my life out of the way and say, Christ, you need to be magnified. I want you to live through me. He needs to be the one to pilot us, to direct our lives. And so the things that we think are most important, we need to put to the side and let him guide us step by step and through that magnifying to others now some would say well that means i'm giving up my life well in essence you are but god is no killjoy christ allows us to enjoy life in fact it'll be more full when you have this relationship where christ is living out completely in your own life jesus said in john 12 24 Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. It's this idea of dying to ourself and allowing Christ to live through us to multiply people coming to know Christ and believers becoming even more mature in their faith. In fact, Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, I'm still breathing, but I've died to myself. And so the life that I live from this point on Christ is going to be the main focus. Because when it's all said and done, the reality is that God has a purpose for you. You fulfill that purpose. It blesses for eternity in many ways. In addition to the contrast of that, if we live for ourselves through this life, we come to the point of death, we will not have satisfied ourselves or the desire of what God had for us. Living the way Christ desires us to live, being all that he wants us to be, letting him live through us, no matter how difficult or how many disappointments or hurts we've had, it will change everything. The focus of the Christian faith is, is not in dying, but it's in living uh, Paul indicated in Romans 6, 5 that we've been crucified with Christ and we've been raised with him. We have life everlasting. 
And therefore, that life everlasting does not start at the moment that we take our last breath. It starts at the moment that we give our life to Jesus Christ and His Spirit comes to live inside of us. That's when our eternal life starts. That's when our name is written down in the, in the book of life. And so eternity has already started. We just need to fully live it out in this realm with Christ being the head. Because when we get together, guess what? He's going to be that anyway, isn't he? You see, we're to grow in Christ's likeness. In our daily life, we have Christ's resurrection power as we continue to fight sin in our life and continue to strive to do the work he wants. Understand that. We have Christ's resurrection power in our life because he lives in us. Because you live, I will live. His Spirit lives inside of us. And so we should not diminish and we should not fear. Rather, we come to understand that we are not alone. <coughs> Christ lives in us. And He is our power for living. And He is our hope for the future. Paul said in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve of what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul says, listen, when you chose to ask Christ to come into your life, it wasn't just to get your name in the book. You were submitting yourself to Christ, and you would become a living sacrifice one that is holy and blameless. What does that mean? That, that means that we have to strive to understand what God's Word says and get out all of that dross. All of those things in our mind and our heart and our soul that are not holy and just. And that's, that's a lifelong process. That, that is sanctification through our life. And we continue to do that. Not a one of us have ever achieved. Those that think they're somehow they have this spiritual elitism about themselves, they are looking in the wrong mirror. Because it is a lifelong process to conform to the image of God. But he says, this is what we're supposed to do. We start by accepting Christ, and we continue to strive to be that living sacrifice. And it only comes by God's mercy. We did nothing to, to make that happen. If you want to have a spiritual act of worship, he says, be a living sacrifice. Worship does not just take place here when we sing songs and we read the scriptures and we study the scriptures. Worship happens every single day when we go out and live a life set apart for him. When we choose to say, you know what, Christ today, I want you to manage all of my decisions. I want to hear from you. I'm going to engage in them and I'm going to be about my daily business, but I want you to, to make sure that I know the decisions to make the choices to move forward with. Let him do that. 
rather than being conformed to this world. There's nothing better, I think, than to know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And to do that, we have to walk with him consistently. Sacrifice was important, but even in the Old Testament, God made it clear that obedience to him was more important than sacrifice. He wants us to be people of faith, letting Christ live through us, and it's shown by our obedience to him. He desires for us to put all of our energies, all of our resources at his disposal, trusting him as our guide. I don't know if you've ever been on any any trips that you've never been to before, but you know you had to trust the guide who'd been there before. Had to trust him down the way, every turn. But Jesus says, I'll, I'll guide you. I'll, I'll be your guide. But you've got to trust me and give everything that you possibly can. And then he says that we're to magnify Christ in our life, but he says then also magnify Christ through death. He says, to die is gain. So, whether by life or by death, we're supposed to honor Him. Hmm. How do we do that in the realm of death? Well, it's more our view of death. Not necessarily the instant that we die, but how we view it. And I think first we have to do it, view that and live it out by right attitudes. In other words, be positive, not negative. What does that mean? Well, negative says, oh, you preacher, I can't witness to somebody. The positive say, oh, what an opportunity. Let me figure out and train on how to share my testimony, my faith. A Christian should strive never to be negative because that turns the world away. Who wants to be around somebody who's negative all the time, especially when they're supposed to have the joy of Christ in their life <laughs> and the love? We need to look at the good things, even when we have to really search for them, but we highlight them. You see, negative in regards to our attitude toward death says, oh, how I dread death. The positive says, how beautiful heaven must be. It's going to happen to all of us, but as we engage, you remember Paul said, listen, we don't, as believers, take on an attitude for those who have died that has no hope, like the world has no hope because they don't know if they'll see them again. But as believers in Christ, we have hope. It should be positive. We know what's going to happen. And so we need to magnify him, even as we have the attitude about, about heaven and about death. He says to die is gain. Uh, the phrase means to have died. It's not the act of dying. It's the circumstances, the state of being, the state of our death. He says being in the presence of his Lord for the glory, that would be gain, Paul says. Paul, in verse 23, says, I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. He's focusing on the positive. His attitude was, you know what? I may or may not get out of this prison without being executed, 
But either way, it's going to be okay because if, if, if I stay, I'm going to help you. But if I die, I am better by far. That is positive. It's a great attitude. Also, we need to magnify Christ through our death by the absence of fear. <coughs> now, we fear the unknown because we've never been there before. If we've not been through death before, it's, it's, uh, it's a little shaky there, right? We're talking about the event of death how that might happen but as believers in christ we should not fear death the circumstances the process thereof paul was right when he cried out oh death where is your sting paul's saying listen every one of us is going to die but but the sting of death it's not there because of what jesus christ has done for us what heaven is going to be like in the presence of jesus forever you know, death is nothing more than a metamorphosis, like a, a moth breaking free from its hapless cocoon. Finally, finally free. No longer bound. It's thrilling to remember what Jesus said when I come again, I will receive you unto myself. There's the promise that he's going to come and get us, whether it's at the second coming or whether it's at the time of death, but he promises, I am coming to get you, to escort you. That word receive means to escort. He says, listen, I'm, I'm not going to leave you out there. <laughs> I'm going to come, and I'm going to take your hand, and I'm going to put your hand in my hand, and I am going to escort you to that place I have specially reserved for you. Wow. That does not leave room for fear. Paul could confidently say that dying would be better than living because in death he would have been removed from these worldly troubles and if you sit down for a little bit you could probably fill a whole page about your worldly troubles right this is not an easy place to live in he says it's going to be better by far because I don't have to worry about that anymore secondly he would see Jesus Christ face to face and worship him forever Listen, sometimes doubt can get into our minds and our hearts about the issue of death. And I've had opportunities to be with people in their time of death. And I've had opportunities to sit beside the bedside of those who were dying that had questions and even some doubts, people that had been believers for years. But there was this, this idea that I, I just want to make sure and through our conversations, you can see that there's a sense of peace come over them because they are affirmed and reaffirmed. Yes, this is what Christ has done for me. We need to be ready to die and to have the right attitude because if we're not there, we're never going to fully live. If we're afraid of dying because we're not sure of that spiritual relationship, we're not going to fully live to the fullness of where Christ wants us to be. Because there's always this nagging back there. Well, I just don't know what's going to happen. You have to be sure of your eternal destiny. That relationship with Christ. Where he says, listen, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, it says. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes. It is this open opportunity that if you genuinely, sincerely understood your sin, your repentance, or asking God to forgive you, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, was raised up, and that you ask him to come into your life, the Bible says that he lives inside of you, that his spirit is inside of you. And your spirit and his spirit will witness each other. That should give you the firm knowledge and understanding. The fact is that um, when it's time for me to cross Jordan, Jesus is going to be my pilot. He's going to take me right across. The fact is, as Paul said, it's going to be better by far. Because this life has been less than incredible. And yet in the midst of it, God has given me an incredible life because of him. Paul says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted, magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And I would hope and pray that you could say the same thing. That you've lived your life in such a way in your relationship with Christ that no matter when your time of death comes, and some deaths are unexpected, but when that happens, that we will not be ashamed as we stand before God Almighty. That we can hold our head straight up and our shoulders back with a smile on our face and say, listen, I did nothing to deserve to be in your presence. It was all Jesus. And I lived my life striving to let him live through me. <coughs> I will not be ashamed. But if I'm to go on living, it's Christ living through me. And at my time of death, it is better by far. But until I breathe my last, Jesus, I want to magnify you. Father, as we go into our time of invitation, I just ask that you would continue to speak to each of us. Paul's words are profound. They give great meaning, great understanding. But Father, we have to apply it personally to ourselves. And if there are those here today that do not know where their eternal destination will be if they were to die today, that God, I pray that would be confirmed today. I pray that, that they would choose to say, yes, I want Christ to come to my life, or I want to, to be affirmed in that. And so today I make a decision. Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. For believers who know where their eternal destiny is, I pray that, that we would be able to, to say, God, I, I'm living my life so I'm not ashamed because Christ is living in me and I'm magnifying him. And Father, in this time of invitation, we would celebrate that. But if there are those that say, God, I, 
I'm not doing as, as well as I should. But I, I want to have that same understanding Paul had. And I pray in this invitation, God, we would have people who would rededicate or recommit their lives. They can do it right where they are. Father, it's just a conversation between you and them. And I pray those commitments are made. And God, I look forward to those who choose to say, you know what, I want to be a part of this church because of the vision and the power of God's Spirit in this church to live for Christ. And Father, we would welcome them. Whatever decision, today, God, I pray that you would speak to us and our response would be an act of worship. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please stand and let's sing our invitation hymn. be seated if you would I as uh, Nancy gets ready to uh, to give our uh, opportunities of ministry and service for this week I want to highlight that next Sunday the 19th after this service in the foyer we're going to have our watchman care watchman prayer ministry uh, sign up for it and there will be people there to help you and I am asking you and pleading with you we we need prayer warriors to take an hour you say pastor I am not sure how I could pray for an hour We'll give you all those resources. I'd say take an hour and, and, uh, and start it out. If you go 15 minutes, oh, that's great. Go up to 20 in two weeks. You know, just keep moving forward. But take that hour. We have 168 hours through the week. I think this past year we've had about 75 hours taken through the week. We'd love for you to please take an hour every week at that time. You pray for that hour. We'll give you resources. We'll give you materials for it. But next Sunday is our launch time. You can sign up any time between those next three weeks. But to get the, the times you want, next week will be the time. And uh, they'll, they'll help you in the four-year. But uh, the Watch and Prayer Ministry is different than just praying at any other time. It is focused specifically on revival and spiritual awakening, the ministries of this church, that God would use us in a powerful, powerful way. So please, let's join together. And see a mighty move of God, as we're seeing in other parts of the country. Nancy? We welcome Martin, the pastor's brother, back with us today. He's here for some game. I'm not sure what. <laughs> <coughs> the beautiful flowers on the altar table are provided by our organist, Marilyn Urbany, in loving memory of her husband. Marilyn, we continue to pray as you're recovering from shoulder surgery. 
And it was wonderful to hear this morning you say that you're making progress. Yay, indeed. In the main lobby, you may have seen as you came in, there are some baby bottles with some baby items. That's to remind you to take those baby bottles and with your loose change or quiet folding money, those are to be filled for New Life Pregnancy Center. If you were here Wednesday night and heard the speaker, you know how much they appreciate what you do as far as giving toward that very vital ministry. Also in both lobbies, there are sign-up sheets for the six topical studies, small group topical studies, which will begin this Wednesday at four o'clock. And the insert on the back of the insert that tells you about Watchman Prayer on one side, on the other side, it tells you about those six topical studies. I hope you will take opportunity to sign up for one. In the small lobby to my left here, when you came in before Bible study and again after worship today, you may purchase a ticket for the Spring Fling Banquet, which will be on Sunday, March the 12th. We'll have a ham dinner with all the fixings, and our entertainment will be Dr. Heidi Hernandez, who is a harpist extraordinaire, and she will be playing a concert of secular and show tunes. You will not want to miss that. Also, tomorrow at noon, ladies, you have an opportunity for fellowship. Bring your lunch and meet in the CLC for the Women's Fellowship Lunch. And then on the 25th, two weeks from yesterday, men, you will have an opportunity to work together to put some shelving in our new metal storage units that are in the back, followed by lunch. So please take opportunity to sign up for those. We are going to stand now as we have our closing prayer led, led by Rich Weatherwell, who is one of our organ guests for a few months out of the year, and we are glad they are back. Would you stand? A prayer of thanksgiving and blessing. Lord, we are thankful for all you give us. Thankful for this church, the pastor's message, joyful music, and fellowship with believers. We're thankful that we live in a country where we are free to live our faith without physical persecution. We're thankful to be able to live here in Arizona. We are thankful for our family, friends, and health. And we are blessed to be your children. Now, as we leave this service, let us not forget that church does not end when we leave the parking lot. Let Christ be magnified in us. So as we enter back into the world, let us be a blessing to others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.